0: Welcome to Between the Headphones, a Georgia sports podcast. I'm John Jenkins, sports editor of the Red and Black, and your host for this podcast series. Each week, I'll talk to Red and Black sports reporters to get the pulse of UGA athletics, straight from the source. This week, I'll be joined by Red and Black digital sports editor Bo Underwood and football beat writer Samuel Hayes. Up first, we'll talk to Bo about Georgia's 49-21 victory over UAB on Saturday. Welcome back to the show, Bo. Thanks for having me, John. So, we talked a lot about the offense this season. Uh, today we're starting with the defense. They gave up a, a season-high 21 points to UAB. What happened?
1: UAB put a few drives together. Um, their first touchdown came off that McComb used fumble on a punt, so they started the drive at the Georgia 36, I believe, and they scored in four plays, um, which, you know, it's that's never ideal, but possession touchdown drives on a short field happen um their second one was a little different from that it was a nine play 70 yard just march down the field and on that drive I thought I thought Jamon Dumas Johnson looked a little slow in coverage I think they kind of picked on him a couple times there um throughout the game and it, and it showed up the most on that drive and then their last touchdown for to hit 21 points was they scored in garbage time their starters played like the whole game and Georgia had their backups in, which, you know, it's never what you want to see. Georgia's backups, are they a more talented football team than UAB starters? Absolutely they are. But it's not really the biggest concern because that's this is not the first time that Georgia has a lot of touchdown and garbage time. It won't be the last.
0: So, yeah, I, I agree that it's not a huge concern. Uh, a couple of those UAB touchdowns were a little fluky. There was the special teams fumble. There was the garbage time touchdown. But I do think allowing 21 points is... To a UAB is not great. UAB just scored 21 points against Louisiana and Lafayette, and right. that's not a team that you want to have a comparison to if you're the Georgia Bulldogs. I think uh, Georgia needs Javon Bowdoin back. I think they need Michael Williams back, and uh, I believe they're going to get those players back sooner rather than later. Right. But Moving on to offense, uh, Carson Beck had a career day, putting up 338 yards. First time he's ever gone over 300 in his career. What do you see from him?
1: I didn't see much from him that I hadn't already seen earlier in the season. I thought he made good decisions with the ball, didn't make a lot of mistakes, um, and he also made some pretty good plays out of structure too, which was nice. He had a really nice scramble on a third and six, at, I believe is what the distance was, where he put a solid move on someone in UAB and picked up a first down. I thought Bobo was slightly more aggressive this week in calling some downfield shots, he Obviously, there was the opening play to love it that got a big chunk of yards. And then he did miss the deep shot to Jackson Meeks, which is not what you want to see. Arian Smith dropped the other one. So the deep ball for him where it's, he's just airing it out wasn't really great. But that's something I expect to improve as the season progresses and as he gets more experience.
0: Yeah, I, I agree with you that Carson didn't show us a lot that he hasn't mm-hmm. so far. He had three really big plays on the day. And they were all like intermediate throws that a receiver caught, and he made and, and he made a couple took ma- re- it thirty yards, yeah. yeah. <laughs> exactly. So Brock Bowers had one of those. Rose and me Jack Saint had another. He had a long connection mm-hmm. with Dominic Lovett. It was all receivers creating after the catch that really right. developed his yardage in this game. And I think if we want to see the fullest version of George's offense, we're gonna have to see him connect on some of those deep throws that Arian Smith dropped that he missed uh, to Jackson Meeks, um, but speaking of those long plays with receivers, uh, Brock Bowers had 120 yards. He had a really big day that we've come to kind of expect of him. Um, what does he mean to this offense?
1: Uh, he means everything. I, th- I mean, He's the most dynamic playmaker that they have on the field, and he might, depending on who you ask, might be the single biggest matchup nightmare in all of college football, and on Saturday, they found ways to get him open, found ways to get the ball in his hands, and just let him run around, and that's where Brock Bowers is probably more effective than any other tight end in the history of college football. I personally would like to see some more vertical looks for him, some more stuff out of play action, because he had, I think, three or four just bubble screens that were to him, and obviously he made something happen on all of those plays. He had a big, stiff arm on one of them. He picked up the first down. One of them he scored on, so it's hard to complain about that and hard to have really any issues with how he played last night, but yeah, Brock Bowers, what a player he is, man.
0: (laughs) Yeah, my biggest criticism with Georgia's offense over the past two seasons has been inconsistent usage for Brock Bowers, Mm -hmm. and he's obviously not going to go for 120 yards every game, but I don't think Georgia's offense should ever have a game where Brock has one catch for 13 yards. Because, like, even if you're using him as a decoy, that's not how you want Mm -hmm. to use Brock Bowers in your offense. Mm -hmm. Um, But speaking of Brock Bowers going off against UAB, we got another night game in Sanford. Um, We got another one coming in two weeks against Kentucky. What did that atmosphere add to the game?
1: Uh, I think it adds a lot. I think it's huge. Sanford Stadium, under the lights, when it's rocking, when it's sold out, is a— really scary place for other teams to play we've seen that in the past I'm sure we'll see it again against Kentucky we've heard Kirby Smart and the team talk about how much they need those fans to get loud and pack that house out so I think it's really important it's really important to the team I think they feed a lot off of the energy that they get from the crowd and there aren't many more hostile environments than Sanford Stadium in an SEC game at night so I think that has a pretty big advantage for Georgia
0: yeah. Um. You don't build a twenty-two home winning streak, the longest w- home winning streak in college football, without having good fans. So I I feel like the Sanford fans are good, even in the even in like the daylight. But mm-hmm. at nighttime, it's just adding a whole another layer to it because they get they get loud in their yeah. boat. Oh, they do. Um. So <laughs> final question for the UAB coverage: What was your biggest takeaway from Georgia's forty-nine twenty-one victory over the Blazers?
1: I think. I know your first question was what happened to the defense, but I think my biggest takeaway from that game was I went away from it feeling pretty confident that this defense is legit again. Um, they held UAB to four of fifteen on third downs. They brought pressure on what felt like every play. They shut down their top playmaker and Tajon Palmer. I think he only had a, he only had a couple catches. They spent most of that game in the backfield. Um, 21 points allowed to a team like UAB, especially after they did the same thing against Louisiana. Yeah, in a, va- in a vacuum, that's not a great look. I understand that. Um, but there was really only one drive where they looked a step behind UAB, at least the starters. And the interesting thing about that is one, they made some adjustments and they changed on the fly. We saw a lot more of C.J. Allen in that game than if we had seen previously, and he looks really good in coverage. And this is a defense that We'll have a better idea of how good they are when they go to the road for the first time and play Auburn, but I think it looks like another playoff caliber unit that adjusts super well on the fly, and I think that's the most important factor to winning championships is how well you adjust, and we saw them switch up the personnel when they realized, you know, Dumas Johnson was kind of getting picked on. We saw them kind of switch it up again. We saw some Dan Jackson, David Daniel, alternating at safety for Jamon Bullard, so those kind of adjustments are really important to making it a whole season as a contending team and i think that georgia has got another one of those units this year
0: yeah i completely agree uh i i think Georgia's under kirby smart defense has always been kind of the defining trade in these championship teams mm-hmm. um and i believe this year the offense isn't quite producing like it did last year so if that defense can keep up at the same rate as those Jalen carter defenses as those jordan davis defenses Georgia has a real chance to come for another championship. I agree. All right. Um, thank you so much for coming on the show, bud. Of course. Thank you for having me, John. Now, we'll be joined by football beat writer Samuel Hicks as we look ahead to Georgia's first away game against Auburn this weekend. Welcome to the show, Sam. It's
2: always a pleasure to be here, John.
0: So, first things first, this is Georgia's first game on the road this season. What kind of an environment will they be walking into in Auburn?
2: Well, I'm, we were talking about this off record when we said even a bad Auburn team still has some crazy fans going on. They're going to be walking to a stadium that has nearly 90,000 seats, and that's going to be a lot of rowdy Auburn fans. Plus, you also got to think this is an SEC game. This is an SEC opponent. This is going to be a hostile environment full of Auburn fans trying to upset the number one team in the country.
0: Especially after Georgia put up a mediocre performance against South Carolina. I think Auburn fans might smell blood in the water. There's a first-year, not a first-year quarterback, but a first-year starter coming to, coming to Auburn. I think Auburn fans will be really showing out for this one. Speaking of that first-year quarterback, though, how can Carson Beck, and his first-ever start on the road, and his offense really conquer that hostile environment?
2: So one of the things that I was thinking about is just making plays down the field. I feel like one of the quickest way to sh- to quiet down a fan base is by making big plays. So if Georgia wants to come out and not be as conservative on offense and maybe even start off the game with just a deep shot to whoever, I think that's the quickest way to get you know the Auburn fans to quiet down and let Georgia kind of have some more room to breathe. Then, I mean, we... You were talking about it with Bo previously, you know, Brock Bowers getting the ball. I think another way for Carson Beck to kind of overcome this hostile environment is by getting the ball to the playmakers. Mostly Brock Bowers. but, you know, we've seen, I've seen rah he's coming in a little bit more, Dominic Lovett's coming in. I think if they hit on those deep passes to Arian Smith, that could be huge. And then just kind of go back to what he's been doing over the course of these four games, playing it safe, getting those short intermediate routes, making... You know, completing passes that he's supposed to complete, I think that's how he can overcome this hostile environment.
0: Yeah, so I I agree with, with what you're saying, but I think the actual what happens in the game might wind up being a little different. We've talked a lot about Carson Beck's comfort on this podcast and see how he's been a little uncomfortable at times this season. I think Bobo and the way he wants to get Carson comfortable is he's going to be throwing a lot of those bubble screens. He's going to be throwing a lot of 10-yard curls. He's going to be throwing a lot of short passes to just get him in rhythm, try to calm him down in his first ever game on the road.
2: I also think, you know, just Dejon Edwards as a as a player being in the backfield is going to be super beneficial for Carson Beck because just think about getting that run game set up pretty early and then being able to pivot into those you know 10 yard curls those play actions those swing passes those RPOs I think setting up the run with Dejon Edwards could be very very beneficial and also set them up better in the long run
0: speaking of Dejon he really went off and his in the game against South Carolina helped Georgia escape uh, a really Dangerous situation with South Carolina. They stumbled hard in that game. Why will this second SEC matchup on the road wind up any different?
2: Well, I mean, we have to think about the first thing. They were at home against South Carolina. Even when they weren't making plays, they still had Georgia fans backing them the entire way. Right now, Auburn fans are preying on any sort of downfall of the Georgia football team. A tackle for loss, they're going to be screaming. A sack, they're going to be screaming. An incompletion. It could be overthrown by 15 yards. Auburn fans are still going to go crazy. And then another reason why this matchup is just a little bit different than that South Carolina one is I think they're kind of South Carolina and Auburn are kind of like inverses of each other. South Carolina had a really good passing offense, but they could not run the ball. Then you look at Auburn, they're struggling to pass the ball. We're seeing multiple quarterbacks come in for Auburn. But then you look at their rushing ability. They're, I believe, 32nd in the nation or 35th in the nation overall running per game. And they have 10 rushing touchdowns spread across six players. This is just kind of like an inverse of what South Carolina was. Um, And those are just like two of the things that I think should make this game different.
0: So you gave us a little sneak peek there into Auburn on the field. They're coming off a rough loss to Texas A&M. What have they looked like when the ball is snapped this year?
2: I mean, like I mentioned, you know, just that quarterback play in general, they're not getting any consistency from Michigan State transfer Peyton Thorne. He, as of right now, only has four passing touchdowns to three interceptions. And then we've also been seeing Robbie Ashford come in in the red zone, pretty much getting stealing rushing touchdowns from the running back. He leads the team with four rushing touchdowns. Um, but then you also look at how they've been matching up with Power 5 opponents. They played Cal Berkeley, I believe, second, third week of the season and barely squeaked away 14-10. to 10. Um, That's just, I just – I'm not seeing too much from them on the field. Defensively, they're also kind of like middle of the pack, if not bottom of the pack defensively in certain categories. It's just not really getting too much consistency all around the board.
0: So given that they're not getting a lot of consistency – who does Georgia need to know on Auburn's offense this year? Who who should the Georgia fans be watching out for in this game?
2: I mean, so I mentioned it, I mentioned it earlier just as far as their rushing attack goes. They kind of have like a two-headed backfield going on. They've had multiple guys that have received over 20 carries, and two of the guys that I had my eye on were Jar- Jarquez Hunter and Damari Alston. Uh, and then I also mentioned the other two, the quarterbacks, Peyton Thorne and Robbie Astrid. I think those are two guys that you need to keep an eye out on. And then also their leading receiver, Jay Fair.
0: All right. Um, we also talked about the offense kind of developing consistency in its first away game. Who are some of the players on, offense, on Auburn's defense who could kind of disrupt that comfort for Carson Beck?
2: I think the person that's going to do that is Eugene Asante. He's the leading tackler for the team, and also is tied for first in sacks. And then the other guy I would keep an eye out for, especially if I'm Carson Beck trying to ta- if I'm Carson Beck trying to target the outside of the of the field, is Jalen Simpson, who has three interceptions right now and I believe a pick
0: six. All right, Sam, we've talked it out. We 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 have covered the bases for Georgia's second SEC matchup of the year, first game on the road. Now it's time to get you on the record. I need a game pick, I need a defensive MVP, and I need an offensive MVP.
2: So my game pick, I have UGA coming away with the victory in Auburn. I think that Auburn might be able to get a couple points up on the board. So I have it like 31-17. I wouldn't even be surprised if it's like 31-10. That's just kind of the range that I'm looking at. Then defensively, I like Tyke Smith. I love Tyke Smith. Let's just be honest there. I think if the defensive line, you know, pretty much clogs up those running lanes and forces the running backs to go outside every single time, Tyke Smith might have a chance of leading the team in tackles for loss, which I think he already has at this point in the season. And then offensive MVP mentioned him earlier. I think if we set him up, it could prove to be beneficial. Dejon Edwards. I think he could have a really good game against Auburn.
0: All right. Um. I think it's pretty much right in the line, score wise, where really, you had. I have it. UGA, um, I believe that the defensive MVP will be a returning Michael Williams. Last season, Robbie Ashford was running for his life against UGA, Mm -hmm. and I think this season, no matter who the quarterback is, I think Michael Williams returning and having a big game, the quarterback will be be running for his life again. On offense, though, I'm going with a little bit of a wild card pick. Okay. Dominic Lovett played for one set of Tigers last season. I think this season he's going to go off against another set of Tigers. I think he's going to have a big game against Auburn this weekend. Not like that big. And no matter what happens on Saturday, Sam, thanks for coming on the show. It's always a pleasure to be here. Thanks for listening to Between the Headphones. I'm John James. You can find more episodes wherever you get your podcasts, and at redandblack.com. For even more Georgia sports coverage, visit redandblack.com sports. We'll see it up between the headphones again next week.